0: Welcome to Hakol Radio's top three segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasser and broadcasting live from Schlurko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number one. On Sunday, July 9th, the slow moving storm system brought heavy rainfall to a wide area of New York State, resulting in street flooding, numerous rescues of stranded drivers, and at least one fatality, according to authorities. The Hudson Valley experienced the most significant impact from the storm system, with certain parts of the region receiving between five and eight inches of rain, as reported by the National Weather Service. The rain continued to batter an already severely damaged Hudson Valley on Monday morning, July 10th and hours upon hours of heavy rain produced life-threatening flash flooding across the region, sparking flash flood warnings and a rare flood emergency. A 35-year-old woman was reportedly killed in the rushing floodwaters in Orange County as she was trying to escape her flooded house. As of 10 a.m. Monday morning, Orange County officials say that all other residents are believed to be accounted for. They are reported that there were multiple calls for water rescues in the vicinity of West Point and Highland Falls, both located along the western shores of the Hudson River Senator Scoofus, who was present in Orange County on Sunday evening, indicated that two major roads in and out of Woodbury had been washed out. Quote, Getting around is next to impossible right now, said the Senator. If you're traveling within Orange County, good luck. County officials, police departments and various agencies were inundated with emergency calls prompted by the life-threatening flooding conditions as described by the National Weather Service. Numerous roadways consisting of State Route 9W and Palisades Interstate Parkway experienced heavy flooding and washouts, New York State Police tweeted. Cedar Pond Brook in Stony Point turned into a raging river, as one Stony Point executive said. Normally, the brook looks like it should head under the road, but with dangerous rainfall, it is going over the road and onto private properties, making driving, even walking, outdoors treacherous. As of Monday morning, the extent of the destruction from the slow-moving storm, which pounded the area, including Muncie and its surrounding areas, with up to eight inches of rain, and it won't be fully known just yet how much damage was done, but officials say the storm already brought tens of millions of dollars in damage. Number two, Texas has introduced a new plan to address illegal border crossings involving the deployment of numerous round orange buoys in the Rio Grande. The Texas Department of Public Safety began construction on Friday to create a 1,000-foot-long floating barrier along the U.S.-Mexico border, as stated in a tweet. The plan entails connecting a four-foot-wide orange buoys together by chains. Photos shared on Twitter by the department and Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott showcased the buoys being transported on truck trailers. During a press conference last month, Governor Abbott explained that these buoys would serve as a preventive measure, keeping people from even reaching the border. He mentioned that the buoys could be linked together for miles. The initial phase focuses on establishing the floating barrier near Eagle Pass, Texas. To impede individuals from swimming beneath the barrier, Texas Department of Public Safety Representative Steve McRoe mentioned the use of webbing during the previous press conference. While acknowledging that there are always ways to overcome the barrier, McRoe emphasized that it would require significant effort, specialized skills, and specialized equipment. Advocates for migrants have expressed concerns that the presence of buoys could lead to an increase in drowning incidents in the river. Governor Abbott and however, expressed the hope that the potential danger of drowning would dissuade people from attempting to cross the river. Number 3 The Iowa GOP has announced that it will hold its first-in-the-nation Republican presidential caucus on January 15, 2024, commencing the party's pursuit of the White House a bit earlier than in recent nominating battles. Jeff Kaufman, chairman of the Republican Party of Iowa, expressed the party's commitment to preserving Iowa's esteemed first-in-the-nation caucus in a statement. He stated, we look forward to holding a historic caucus in the coming months and defeating Joe Biden come November 2024. Campaign efforts to secure support in Iowa already in full swing various potential candidates, including former President Donald Trump, former Vice President Mike Pence, Former Arkansas Governor Issa Hutchinson, North Dakota Governor Doug Bergman, Miami Mayor Francis Suarez, and radio host Larry Elder have made appearances at campaign events in Iowa over the past week. In addition, Florida First Lady Casey DeSantis recently hosted her first solo public event in Johnston, Iowa, alongside Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds. Ron DeSantis and other Republicans have also been actively engaging with voters in the state in recent months. The 2024 Republican primary will follow a similar framework to previous years with Iowa leading the way, following the primary in New Hampshire with Nevada and South Carolina rounding out the early voting states for the GOP. It's important to note that the the Iowa GOP's decision regarding the caucus does not impact the Democratic contest in Iowa as the caucuses are party-run. The Democratic National Committee's reshuffling of its primary calendar will result in Iowa Democrats losing their first-in-the-nation status. This change comes after long-standing concerns within the party regarding the state's lack of diversity and issues with vote counting in the 2020 election. Meanwhile, with seven weeks remaining before the first GOP primary debate in 2024, concerns are arising about the potential for a messy and divisive event for the Republican Party. Some candidates, like former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, are struggling to meet the fundraising and polling requirements to qualify for the debate. They, along with the others, are pushing back against a loyalty pledge that the Republican Party requires candidates to sign in order to participate. Additionally, former President Donald Trump, the frontrunner in the race, is contemplating boycotting the debate and hosting a competing event instead. As a result, what is typically an eagerly anticipated launch to the election season has become a source of uncertainty for both the candidates and the broader party. This frustration is particularly notable among candidates who had hoped to utilize the debate as an opportunity to challenge Donald Trump and curb his momentum. The Republican National Committee has outlined the criteria for, for participation in the August 23rd debate in Milwaukee. Candidates must have, re- must have received contributions from at least 40,000 individual donors with at least 200 unique donors in 20 or more states. They also need to achieve a minimum of 1% support in three highly quali- high-quality national polls or a combination of national and early state polls between July 1st and August 21st. In addition, to meeting these requirements, candidates will be required to sign a pledge, quote, agreeing to support the eventual party nominee and to refrain from participating in any non-RNC sanctioned debates for the remainder of the election cycle, according to an RNC press release. Thanks for tuning in to the top three segments live on Hako Radio and have a great day.